listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to the Elves Nerds, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. And want to say thank you for being so kind as to let us have a couple weeks off of to vacation. He uses air quotes on that. And real quick, before we get started, you go to elsnerds.com or gncasts.com to find all the info on the show and our friends at the Galactic Network. And also, as a warning on Elsners, we tend to just shoot our mouths off without thinking so we will both spoil things and swear liberally that is your warning that's right this Corey, is the Nerds, or as most people like to call us the galactic netcast mega feed show i skip <laughs> true. i think that's true though <laughs> okay so i had this idea I'm, I'm i'm saying this out here now for everyone but i had this idea because we this is episode 74 we have 26 more episodes before we hit or to uh, to our 100th episode, if I've done my math right. I was going to mention in Slack to Dave, want to be our co-host or want to be our guest on that episode. You know, it'd be a monumental episode, you know, 100th episode and all that stuff. And the title of that episode would be that. This is the, this is the show that you skip in the mega feed. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we we can't all be who knew in review. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's fine, man. As long as you you download us, uh, we don't see the numbers anymore anyways, because iTunes has completely screwed that up. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's all right, man. We're we're just we're mostly here for each other at this point. You like us for our producer. We know how that goes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, he gets he gets shouted out in a comic book. Yeah. I mean, like. I had to do a double take when I, when I read that. So for those of you guys who don't know, in the latest issue of Lazarus number, Lazarus number, or Lazarus X plus 66 number six, I believe was was the title. There is, they're talking about a, a music DJ named Beatmaster. Um, like I'm actually trying to, so I want to find the issue number two because I wrote it in. Oh, number five. Uh, the, the, the way that it goes is... What was it like working with the Beatmaster himself? He's just so giving and present. He's a total genius. It's like they're talking about beat. Like, literally. I have to assume um, that they are talking about beat. Yeah. It's like somehow he met Greg Rucka and... I no, 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 no. Let's step back. It's like somehow Greg Rucka met him. Yes, yes, true. True. And, and I think he was a DJ. I'm not 100% sure. But um, like like Greg Rucka and I forgot who I forget who the guy who's writing the X plus sixty six little mini series in Lazarus somehow met or had the honor of meeting Beatmaster and all that. Hey, so Gregor, how was your holidays? Um, pretty good. Um, yeah, I watched TV shows. I watched a lot of stuff like over again. Like I finished watching the IT Crowd, um, for the millionth time. I've like I watched a lot of things just on repeat, and. That's not to say, like, I didn't have other things to watch. Like, I still haven't seen the final two episodes of The Walking Dead for the first season, you know, before their winter break and all that. But it's just like, it was one of these things. I'm like, I already know the big spoiler that that Carl got bit. So, like, I could probably just 
come in and be like, all right, this is what happened before. Done. All good. So show Rick murdering his son or whatever it's going to be. And then I was watching some other little shows like like they. they... So I have a minor complaint about uh, because uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee just premiered on Netflix. Um, They moved from Crackle to Netflix. I don't like what they did with the episodes because on crackle they actually did like well well, no there's there is the viewership but on crackle they actually broke it up into seasons and episodes to where you could start from the first episode and make your way to the last episode with this they did it in collections and that's fine but they're mixing and matching and uh, like all this so it's not like one straight through it's they have them grouped up which works except for when you catch an old episode right after a new episode or a newer episode and that's the other thing is i'm like these are all just not new then is my assumption yeah but at this point in time Um, if netflix happens to bring in programming that doesn't contain at least one sexual predator they're they're (laughs) treating it as a win uh i'm not saying netflix has had a bad year i'm just saying that they've had a, a, a few things rise to the surface that were maybe like, oh, maybe we should have known about that. How did we not? Oh, because no one gave a shit. It's really because no one gave a shit. Yeah. But no, other than that, I mean, the break was good. I happened to get sick for three of the days, which at sometimes Only three is gets... amazing. With with the, the flu bugs and everything else that I've seen going around and what we've had, <laughs> the, the plagues at our home. Three days is delightful. That's basically just a nap. Yeah. I, I, I mean, feel like I've gone through round one and round two and I'm sweeping my way into round three pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like I just didn't like I liked the fact that I was sick because I got enough to I got to sit at home. Well, the first day I just slept the whole like I slept, I think, 18 hours that day. But it was just one of these things like I'm like, uh, just, and I tried to go to work and they're like, and I'm like, I can't do it. I feel like I'm I like I was standing and was sweating. Like visibly you could see me sweating. And I'm just standing in one spot one of these days. And I'm like, I gotta go home. I don't feel good. Mommy, I wanna that. go play at the fountain. That's not a fountain. <laughs> yeah. It's not a fountain. That's an electronics worker. That's a nerd. But it's just like getting all through the the whole thing. I mean, uh, the only thing that happened is right now my voice gets a little deeper at times, which hurts my voice at the same time. And it's, oh God, it's funny you mentioned about the whole, you know, Amazon or Netflix bringing in people this. Um, one of the episodes that happened to premiere on my 25th birthday on Crackle was excluded from the Netflix collection. Can you guess as to why? Sure. This is the comedians in cars getting coffee. Uh... Uh-huh. I'll give you a hint. It, it has nothing to do with the 1959 Fiat 600 Jolly. Uh, was it Louis C.K.? Yes, it was. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It. I feel like we're sort of in the equivalent of book burning, except yeah, book burning was usually with the the. I mean, they thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, they were completely wrong. I I don't know that we can erase these people out of existence and out of our memories. They 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 existed. The material that's out there is out there. You can you can Christopher Plummer in in a movie here or there, but that that's not gonna we're not gonna go all the way back to Amos and Andy or 
or whatever the movie was with oh who else was in that it, working girl with, with kevin spacey we, we can't just like undo everything that's been done and i i i kind of feel like like every time i see the principal from ferris bueller especially in ferris bueller of all things and i'm oh, like yeah Oh yeah, that guy is really a he's a he's a pedophile. That whole scene of your ass is mine is very much on the nose. Um but I I can't like not watch Ferris Bueller. It, it, it's part of what I grew up watching and everything. I don't watch it with the the profound joy of like, oh yeah, let's let's watch the pedophile hang out with the college or the high school kids. No, it's just like it was a movie. It happened. He was in Beetlejuice, right? I mean, like are we going to give up Beetlejuice? Are, are we going to give up the things that were great before? I, I, I've talked about this a little bit with Matt on a podcast of terror. And, and it's, it's the conversation is not a winning conversation. There's no way to know. Everybody's got to choose what's right for them. It's just, it's, it's difficult. But when you're, when you're Netflix right now, they want to get rid of the, the stuff going forward. And I completely understand that. It's like, let's not bring this person back. Let's, get this person out of the series so we can continue on and not have all this controversy. But it's, it's one thing to say, Oh, we don't want to invest in the series. Like there's a channel that's still playing the Cosby show like all the time. And, and I just, I always kind of go past it. I'm like, I really like the Cosby show. I kind of feel like maybe it's not the right time to be playing the Cosby show. Yeah. But it's, it's their, it's their right to do it. And I mean, what other great programming could put on there? 227 and Amen. I think those are on there anyways, but not the same quality of shows. Uh, yeah. Let's just make facts. So so what do you do? It's just, it's tough. It's it's a tough place to, to be. And uh, I watched a couple episodes. I haven't really watched the series before. Uh, the other night of Better Things, which mm-hmm. I know is produced by Louis C.K. And, and there's a lot of, issue with that because you don't want to take away from the show which is not even really about him and he's not part of but he is a producer on the show and so it's like how do we fix this and move forward how do we make people feel okay about still enjoying the show that he profits from you know and and that's that's always a question uh the the amount of films that the Weinsteins were involved in you know the they made a lot of great movies doing really terrible, terrible things. I, I I can't just say that like for the sake of their sick and disgusting people, one in particular, uh, or apologists for the other one. I can't just say that all that art doesn't still qualify as great art. It's, 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 it's hard. And, and there's so many other people who were a part of those things that have nothing to do with that. They were just doing their jobs and to discount their hard work or uh, even worse, discount their ability to make a living. It's just not really fair. It's it's the needs of the many over the needs of the one or the needs of the few or or the sins of the one. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't I don't need to go on this again. So I have no way to fucking segue into this. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Um, in, hey, in they're our, bringing back Tiny Tunes. Oh, <laughs> in our actual news, we have our first bit of uh, of renewals that have been announced, and we've picked a, a few because we've tried doing it in the past, but that gets way too time consuming because it's like, oh, here's all the shows that got renewed on Fox. Um, they've they've actually 
get this fox has renewed a science fiction show that's not the x-files holy shit like well, that's I, to be fair fox didn't renew the x-files for a long time well okay but they renewed this last one and before then they had track records of not really renewing science fiction shows i'm not counting gotham in that because that's not really science fiction in the way that we are going for here i don't know it's okay they also renewed the orville and uh, where i am proud of that it's also there's also some other things with that too because you know they're saying it might not be it might not be coming out next fall it might come out later and all that stuff because apparently seth mcfarland has not started writing any of the episodes but i'm cool with it you know if it means we're gonna get good quality stuff from the orville great um but anyways they renewed the gifted for season two this is the uh x-men mutants uh tv show that's uh that is from the creator uh matt nix who did burn notice and it's about the the striker family you know they find out that their kids are mutants and boom here here they go um having to run away when their dad is one of the people who who works with the government to lock up all the mutants after a big incident happened beat brings up a good thing in our chat um you know wondered how a disney-fied um well he says mcfarland but even i mean with the fact with that we had over i believe it was before we left um that disney and Fox have agreed to a deal that we probably won't see the likes of for a year, year and a half, if it comes to fruition. I do, I do wonder about that. But at the same time, looking at this, I'm Is excited. It, am I wrong? Isn't Fox TV channel not a part of it? I know FX is, but I thought the, the Fox TV company. channel they were keeping. Yeah. The so Fox, the production the, company is. So would the, the production, production company, company would be, yeah. Shows that are currently ordered and have series already out that yeah, yeah i guess that's the, something that what, what was be, excluded uh, to... what was excluded was the fox affiliates right which so that would mean the fox channel is not a part of the deal and then the fox news channels right uh, were not so they basically they kept their news division they kept the affiliates probably because they knew that deal wouldn't go through like to have the Fox affiliates would then become because Disney already owns one of the four yeah. major broadcasting channels. Yeah. But they will own the, the production companies and all that. But, and I think they own FX and FXX. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, which is um, still, I mean, that's, that's another point of, well, we've got a X-Men spinoff show on Fox and we have another X-Men spinoff show on FX with Legion. So it because it's a production company, you're right, it, it could affect both. But it seems more likely that it would affect Legion because it would be on their own broadcasting channel as opposed to the show that we've we've been making that's been picked up and renewed on this this other channel that we don't own. We should just keep making it as we make it for them. Or if we want to sabotage them, yeah, we can break the show and ruin this rating success that fox is getting from the orville right now yeah um that's that's an aside uh as far as the gifted now one of my my questions because i haven't watched the show because i'm i really am not super interested in the mainstream x-men cinematic universe films or shows like i i like i like legion because legion's weird and because it's a guy who did the fargo show 
I like Deadpool because Deadpool is a comedy that gets to make fun of everything. I'm interested in New Mutants, but all of the overall X-Men films after X-Men 2, none of them have really worked for me. And that includes the Wolverine movies and even Logan. I thought Logan was fine. I'm not enamored with it that other people are, but I totally dig that other people got what they were looking for in a, in a Wolverine movie finally. So my question is in relation to the gifted, the last few X-Men movies have all been taking place in the past. Now the gifted, I assume takes place in the present. So the, the gifted is I don't believe the gifted is in the X-Men cinematic universe. It's their okay. own it's it's like their own universe. Basically an event like what happened in Logan. Actually with how it sounds I'm picturing more like what happened in the civil the first civil war comic to kick off civil war. Something like that happened. Like you know big event where you know, a mutant's powers got out of control and poof, explosion killed a bunch of people, both mutants and humans. So the humans overcorrected by basically creating these sentinel services, which is to capture and contain all the mutants. And that's where we're getting at here. Um, okay. This is for, for some reason, because of the fact that Brian Singer was a part of the first episode and producer on the series may not be a producer going forward, yeah. but. Uh, because of all that, I had assumed that it was actually related to the cinematic universe. And so that that was my question, because the the continuity for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in a weird or the excuse me, the X-Men Cinematic Universe is in a weird place already yeah. before this deal, because they went back in time and broke all this shit. And then they've been back in time the whole time. We haven't seen anything of where it pays off except for. Deadpool, which kind of exists as its, own, as its own thing, and Logan, which was supposed to be the future again, where yeah. a bunch of stuff has changed. So it's, and that's really the crux of why I don't like any of the X-Men movies now. Is yeah. so just broke everything about how stuff is supposed to work together and just made this whole mismatch of, it, it doesn't matter, just don't think about it, just enjoy the movie. Well, I might if the movies were even that good, but you're giving me nothing. Like I, I here's, just, I here's, don't. Here's the thing, though. I don't have any love for it. Here's the thing, though. Yes, you had Brian Singer, who he directed the pilot and served as an executive producer, alongside uh, Lauren Schuler Donner and Simon Kinberg, um, as well as Marvel's Jeff Loeb and Jim Chory. At the same time, it was just you know it was just like they were producers more for the people who now the, the, in your case it did backfire. It was people who were the fans of the X Men series. It, that was the tie. It was just the, you know, the executive producers. Now I, I want to hit real quick on something that Beats putting out here about the fact that Lucifer and Gotham need need probably a new home. No, they don't, because of the fact that the deal excludes Fox, the Fox syndicate syndicated channel. So it excludes the Fox Network channel. WB owns and is the one producing Lucifer and Gotham. So therefore. It's still with it's still them making the money, not Fox. Fox, like Fox, just got a little bit of it, but not the big cash cow sort of deal. From from my understanding, but anyways, back to well, here. Just just your point a little bit. If if knowing that this Fox Disney deal has happened at 
at this time, we've known about it for a few weeks now, and it's still got to go through legal wrangling and everything to to make sure that it can actually happen and, and money changes hands and contract signs and all that stuff. They did just announce that they're renewing the gifted. So at this point in time, the Fox channel has a has a viewpoint of this is stuff we will keep going or this is stuff we won't keep going. If they feel that they can't make the deal work, those shows aren't going to get renewed. Yeah. So I, I feel like right now, at least for the foreseeable, until stuff starts uh, bleeding out of the contracts or we get a nice, wonderful Sony hack, uh, <laughs> then it's it's not going to... We're, we're seeing that they think everything's kosher. Not to not to make this a, a Jewish thing because Hollywood just... You know, it was a term. Uh, so, so I'm just winning but, but everything back, today. Yeah, but but back to the gifted because again, to to more to sell you on this show here, it's a little bit more family drama than we have all this history with the X Men that you have to worry about. Because really, you don't. You see, there are X Men in there. Um, actually, I think the only one that's really in there is Blink. Um, well, there's Blink. There's John Proudstar, and- which is Thunderbird. Or is it James uh, Proudstar? That one's son, I believe. He, son or brother? Like, yeah, he's he's a relative of uh, Thunderbird. Okay, and so and, and, and so the in the players. comics, Thunderbird was one of the original Uncanny X Men when they came back, and Wolverine and Storm and Nightcrawler all joined the group. Thunderbird was part of that. He died shortly thereafter, and then his brother James came in later. Was part of X Force. Uh, first came in as part of the Hellions. Uh, which was another team that Emma Frost ran uh, that was kind of like the other side of the New Mutants coin. And then he became part of X-Force later on. So, and I, I don't think he used Thunderbird at first. It was years before he wound up doing that. But, yeah. and then uh, isn't Lorna, Magneto's yeah. daughter, uh, Polaris? Yeah, Polaris. But really, those, that's it. I mean, everyone Which else, is still a lot, you know, but, but two of those characters, I believe, were in one of the X-Men movies. They were in the the Days of Future Past, Blink, and I thought James Proudstar was one of the characters in that too. And they're all running through the future with Ellen Page suddenly having completely different powers as Shadowcat than she ever had before. I, for some reason, assumed that they were in that grouping, but maybe not, since yeah. it seems like, again, they had Kitty Pride teleporting people stupidly and sending people back in time. Be that as it may. So that's getting renewed. And at this point in time, they think that everything's cool to renew it. So good, because it does seem to be getting a lot of people interested and excited. I, I've heard a lot of people are enjoying the show. It's just for a number of reasons, I just didn't have the interest in it, even though it's got some people I really yeah. like, like Amy Acker's in it. Amy Acker is terrific. I, I go back to when I first was watching her on Angel and everything I've seen her in since she's always fantastic. Well, and Stephen Moyer, who was a part of your first I Ain't Got Time TV because he's, and also has another X-Men connection because he's married to Anna Paquin. You know, he's big. He was the the vampire on True Blood. Well, if I was such a big fan, I probably would have timed the TV <laughs> to get those middle episodes in. <laughs> but no, but then, and then, like, then for me, I mean, the other part is um, you look at, this is going from the creator side, Matt Nix, um, who created Burn Notice. You see some people in here that were in burn notice. Yeah. I was uh, going to say, I recognize one of the guys from yeah, Kobe bell came in late uh, midway through the season uh, or midway through the show on burn notice. He's the foil. And then you get a little cameo from the, the lady who plays Michael's mom on burn notice. Okay. She's in, 
she's in here as well. And I'm like, that's so cool. You know, it's like, it's one of those things like to me, it's like, okay, you see these people working with, you know, working with the guy that they worked with before. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like you've seen Thor Ragnarok, right? Yes. The, uh, the lady who was the grandmaster sidekick. She's in mm-hmm. all of Taika Waititi's movies. Right. And all that. it's one of those things. Or, you know, Brian Johnson appearing in a Kevin Smith movie. You know, it's going to happen sort of deal. But no, yeah, so the Gifted Series 2, and it's it's done good in the ratings. It's got, uh, it averages a 2.0 in the Live Plus 7 ratings. Which is a good and, reason to renew it. Yeah. The other part on the renewal side um, is that, this is coming from Hulu, actually, um, that Runaways and Future Man are both being renewed for second seasons at Hulu. Now, this is Marvel's big foray into their, yes, it is shared universe, but you don't have to worry about the fact that it's a shared universe, With this, but this is actually airing through Hulu, not through an ABC solely owned property. I'm wording those carefully because after the this deal, they're going to own a majority of it. So, Runaways, this is a show, and both seasons will consist of 13 episodes, which the... Uh, Runaways actually had a uh, 10-episode first season run, which is set to wrap up this uh, tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday the 8th. And then uh, Future Man's 13-episode first season debuted back in November. Future Man has no association with Marvel, just so we make that clear. No, Future Man is led by Hunger Games star Josh Hutcherson as a janitor and world-ranked gamer who is tasked with preventing the extinction of humanity as mysterious visitors from the future proclaim him the key of defeating the imminent super race invasion. This is actually done by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, as uh, and then Matt Tolmack and James Weaver. They're all executive producers of this show. Um, I saw the pilot. It's really, really good, really funny. It's just one of those I've there with so much on my plate. I just haven't gotten back to it where Runaways, it's that a point like I got hooked on the first episode. Now, you um, said that Runaways was airing weekly. Yeah, uh, so you, you watch it like you would a regular TV series. Is Future yeah. Man the same way? Is it playing no. weekly? Future Man, they they just dumped everything. It was like okay. boom, here are the, here are the first thirteen episodes. Which uh, Hulu, I guess, does it some. They sort of do it both ways. They do it the Netflix way, and then they'll do it the regular TV way. Just sort of depends on how it would work. Because for some shows, it would make sense. It's weird because um, the expectations of of TV are in a, a a kind of flux right now, because it is that it it you get the Netflix shows that dump everything at once. And so you get this idea that you're going to splurge and watch all that. But then you've got the HBO shows that air weekly that I, I wonder, have people made a decision which is better for them or is it based off the show? I, I think that obviously both these shows got renewed and they're doing two different things, even though they're on the same network with Hulu. It's yeah. just, it's surprising that one would go one way and one would go the other. And is that up to the production company? Is it up to Hulu? It, who's making the decision? With Runaways, I could at least see, because it's a shared universe, saying, oh, well, we don't want to reveal too much from like episode 10 because even though it's not directly tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it maybe reveals things that we aren't ready to see revealed that might happen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or something else. Or maybe it's just because they they like having the weekly show as opposed to the all at one show, yeah. but that's how they do it with the stuff on Netflix. Those things dump all at once. So I, it's, I, it's think it, I, I do think it's partially that's, that's partially it because I don't know, because it's because you're right. You mentioned the Netflix shows where they just do, you know, full season 
now go and binge and it's these same production companies because you know the runways is co-produced co-production of marvel television and abc signature studios do you feel like it has anything to do with the target audience which i'm assuming from the previous previews i've seen seems like it would be the the freeform viewer which would be big little yeah. liars um it's, yeah a little bit interpreted to birth that kind of stuff yeah because with this with the first 10 episodes they're loosely basing it off of the i believe they said the first part of the eight the 18 issue run that uh brian k vaughn did um and brian k vaughn is an executive consultant on the show actually to further the marvel connection besides the obvious one of um jeff Loeb, another another producer on here is rodney barnes who is writing falcon right now over at marvel and no like because i i remember watching the the theme song such a catchy and it's just music but just such a catchy thing like it's playing in my head right now but then again i am a mental patient who just plays music all the goddamn time in his head but and it's like i saw it when i'm like wait rewind i recognize that name and i like, have a similar thing except mine is choral singers that are telling me to kill everybody <laughs> but i mean the cool thing now if you guys remember from you know when we were talking about this and we talked about the casting about how you know i'm like i don't know about you know greg sulkin playing chase because he seems like he's too muscular to play chase and all that like i was this i'm like no give me a time machine so i can go tell that version of greg to shut the fuck up because this is excellent casting from top to bottom the parents everything so cool there's they do this interesting twist well well not twist a different a different version of the fact that you know they don't say that molly's a mutant they did this twist with carolina with her parents and stuff like that where i'm like all right this is cool this is you know tweaking it enough to where the people who read the book won't be like okay this is where they're going to do this and they're going to do that you know it's just so predictable but to where it's not completely separate from the comic itself i love the show so you kept up with the show yes yeah on I'm the weekly it. basis yes. whereas you didn't keep up with the show that dumped all the episodes at the same time well i i you're you're right but i think part of it was because of the fact that future man has an interesting premise but not one that i'm like all right i'm gonna keep watching like it was the add kicked in and i'm like all right let's watch this or this or this and stuff like that so do you feel that that's the reason why if if, if a new I show comes so. out every week and you know i've just got this new hour to watch this week yeah. then you feel that appointment television thing still you that that tug of like oh the the new runaways is out i want to go pop that on and you're not stuck on doing it on their schedule like you can watch it at 10 o'clock you can watch it at three o'clock afternoon the next day or whatever but it is the oh the new one's out i should go watch it as opposed to oh here's 13 hours of this show that i can watch whenever i want to then i'll get to it yeah and that that's that's more what i'm curious it's not a criticism of, of how you're doing it or which one you chose it's more of a it's interesting that you chose to do it that way or no, one yeah more than the other and it could also be the content too yeah i mean it's i don't know it, it's hard to explain because you know i like the people involved i like josh hodgerson i like eliza coop and um derek wilson i th think i know who he is um and i like the producers involved with future man but it's one of those like i'm not seeing advertisements when i'm watching other hulu shows for 
the next episode, and I'm using quotes because it's the episode that aired two weeks ago that they're showing on the next episode. So I'm like, your commercials are wrong. But it's also like if I just waited and like, okay, I'm going to binge it later. Okay, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Future Man, to me, seems more like the binge, the bingeable show. You know, like you could sit there and actually just, you know, whoosh, just binge straight through it. Runaways, they do enough build up, like like to where it's great week to week. So I, I really think that's what it's what they're doing with this. It's like does it what does it leave it a hanging point like Game yes. of Thrones or yeah. I assume Riverdale does or something like that where you it's like we get to the end and here's the oh but coming up this new tense thing is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like like there's a it's like a page turning okay, my... novel. You get to the yeah, exactly. end of the chapter, you're like ooh but what what's about to happen next? And then you keep reading. Which seems binge worthy too. Stranger Things does that, but I, I I get it. I I think that there's a dedication that you have to have of like this is this is going to be the next couple of days for me watching all of this and and almost nothing else versus oh well in between watching reruns of of this show and and watching the mid season premieres of the middle and and other things on regular TV I can flip over. And go into this when there's the shows that I'm not that interested in for an hour and then pop back over to the stuff that I wanted to see again. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it's it's still it's still kind of a new thing. And I'm wondering which is going to become the more predominant or if neither does, if it's just that the type of show determines if it's yeah. one that, that lands all at once or if it's one that gets metered out. I, I still say that there's something of value to water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. of a of a program but there's only one or two shows that I think really get the effect from that and they're The Walking Dead which is happening less and less and Game of Thrones which is about to end in a year's time whenever it comes back 2019 I, I Yeah, I don't know that there's any other shows that I hear about like oh my god like I I don't know anybody who watches Great as Anatomy in my workplace so I don't have people talking about Grey's Anatomy, but I know that there used to be a point in time where that was a regular thing. And it seems like the Shonda Rhimes shows are made for that. It's just a specific audience that doesn't seem to appeal to uh, where I'm at. But there's not a lot of other TV where I'm hearing people say, oh, my God, did you see this last night? And everybody's talking about it. And that's that's both a reflection of where broadcast TV is and where streaming TV is. is I'll hear people talk about the new Punisher series came out uh, before I'll hear people talk about uh, the new Blacklist episode. So the next article that we got here, next next bit of news we have, sticking with Hulu here, Animaniacs is being revived at Hulu with a two-season order. Now, not only that, because that's not happening until 2020, but right now on Hulu, you can watch all of Animaniacs that, they have right, that they've made right now, all 99 episodes, plus Pinky and the Brain, Plus, plus the spinoff to the spinoff, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, and the complete Tiny Toon Adventures collection, all right now on Hulu. You can go do it right now. The cool thing with this is the fact that Steven Spielberg, who we'll talk about later on in the show, um, will executive produ- is still is coming is coming back and executive producing alongside Warner Brothers Animation President Sam Register, Amblin Television co-presidents Justin Falvey and Daryl Frank. The and then uh, Pinky and the Brain will also return alongside the Warner Brothers, uh, Wacko or Yakko, Wacko, and the, their sister Dot. So this was my childhood. I like. I'm not gonna lie. I 
was there were times where I was like flipping between like, okay, commercial here, go over here, like between Fox kids and, and WB or kids, WB, you know, like all the time. And I remember when tiny tunes came out and I was still a teenager at that point in time, probably, I want to say 15 or 16, maybe it was even a little older. I just remember watching tiny tunes and think it was the funniest thing. And then a few years later, Animaniacs came out. Now we saw the commercials for Animaniacs and we thought they were doing the, the Bosco black and white characters that were on a tiny tunes episode when Babs bunny was trying to find her mentor, but new characters introduced. And once I watched Animaniacs, tiny tunes kind of became sort of quaint and, and, and childish because Animaniacs did all this really great tongue in cheek stuff. There was the jokes that are over the kids heads but were were like in jokes for the adults who happened to be watching with their kids. It was still really funny for kids, but as an adult, you watch, you go, oh, I know what they're talking about. And then it did all the the Hollywood spoof stuff and and other things that were more modern, uh, having uh, Bill Clinton play the saxophone over the opening credits or whatever. And then it went on to Pinky and the Brain having their spinoff show. And again, another level, because honestly, Animaniacs, the Animaniacs themselves were great. Pinky and the Brain were fantastic. The other segment characters were very hit or miss and honestly, mostly miss. Like the amount of episodes of Good Feathers was just unnecessary because it was the same jokes over and over again. It's the the Joe Pesci bird getting pissed off and saying, that's it, and jumping over and beating up the guy. Uh, the, the main character had no personality, which is kind of like a, a funny thing about Good Feathers too. And it just, just didn't add anything. It, the funniest thing I ever heard in that on those episodes was, are you cooing my bird? Are you cooing my bird? I love that. Uh, I say that all the time. Rita and Runt. I love Bernadette Peters. She is a a treasure to music and, and theater in general. Plus, you know, she was in The Jerk and Pennies from Heaven, if you're into that sort of thing. Rita Runt was just a cat singing and a really terrible Rain Man ripoff. Mindy and Buttons was cute because Mindy was adorable because she kept calling her mom lady. But otherwise, same thing over and over again. Slappy, Slappy Squirrel. Eh, she's cranky. Okay, I like you Mime Time. Your page pulled up or something? No, I, I memorize all this stuff, man. I like oh, Mime shit. Time, because it was they were just the shorts. A good idea, bad idea, fantastic, but quick, you know? But so much of the show was filler. You waited for the Animaniacs themselves, and hopefully it wasn't the one with the the stupid Jerry Lewis ripoff, Freud and Laban, or it was Pinky in the Brain. And the rest of it was just kind of like, oh, well, I have to listen to them sing for 10 minutes. So I'm just going to tune over to another station and see what's going on with the GoBots, which we're probably not playing at that point in time. My point is, if they're bringing it back, I hope they're bringing the better portions of it back and they're creating new stuff to be a part of it. Now, because you said they get the rights to Tiny Tunes and they get the rights to Elmira and the Brain, and you were hoping, although we haven't seen any evidence of this, that they would do something with Freakazoid as well, maybe those other shows could be integrated into Animaniacs and it could be a whole thing of like all the different Spielberg, Warner Brother cartoons that existed at that point in time. Yeah. Although I have to admit, as much as I love Freakazoid because it was a weird, wonky superhero type program, it's about the level as like bonkers is to the Disney cartoons of the 90s, which was like, hey, we got gummy bears and that begat 
DuckTales, and then we got Tailspin, and we got Darkwing Duck, and all these great shows, and then we finished off on Bonkers. Yeah. And Bonkers I mean, is not good. <laughs> honestly, I look at this, and I'm excited for this, because, you know, I, again, like I said, this was, this was my childhood. This was, now granted, in, I think it was in my area during, because this is back actually when, you know, Saturdays actually played cartoons on the network we had nickelodeon we had well i didn't we didn't have cable at the time well we off and on had cable but you know it's like we had as a as an option you know nickelodeon and disney channel and then we got cartoon network a little later on in, in my in my neck of the woods but it's one of those things that it's like you you still had the cartoons in the on saturday mornings yeah it was that. like the last of them because at this point in time we've already seen saved by the bell take over nbc's stuff so nbc went to all teen programming live action crap shows like hang time and and whatever yep. else uh california dreams yeah nbc was the first and then i believe it was i don't remember cbs um, having much at that point or if they CBS, did it was probably it, a lot of imports tied, yeah it was tied in with nick like they, they tied in with nickelodeon at the time but didn't they play mad max or or uh, mighty max that was a great show that was yeah. a really great um, show. But and then, and then I think CBS went and then I think it was Fox and ABC then WB because well WB was the purchase and then making the CW and yeah. all that. And, so that's and when, they, when they did that they they started doing a lot of things with Pokémon and stuff later on too. Yeah. It, yeah, and and that's the thing is that the the cartoons got segregated off into cartoon channels, but like you said, not everybody has cable. Not everybody has access to those things. So to lose that, that was that was my be all end all of Saturday mornings. I get up in the morning on Saturdays and I I get up early enough and I'd catch Hot Fudge, which was a puppet style show that was not great, but it was that's the start of the day. And then it goes up through the the better mm -hmm. cartoons. Like once you get to Scooby Doo or Super Friends and stuff, you know you had it made. But I, it was weird to see that all fall apart. And 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 part of it was that I lusted for. The Cartoon Network. I, I wanted that channel and I didn't get it until well into adulthood. And I'm like, why can't we we have all these channels and they won't give me the one good one. Uh, <laughs> but I felt that way years later. If, if I, I would have given up Cartoon Network if I could have kept the old tech TV. Yeah, I, I really hope that that this turns out to be as great as it once was. I, I certainly loved the show. I loved the the songs that were teaching you stuff about the the countries of the world or or whatever like that that stuff is where the show really was magical and it's funny because those things change and you're like oh i want to go listen to the song oh this is wrong oh this is wrong too but but it's still just awesome how well was, they would do those things it would involve oh yeah. education without overpowering you that you were being educated and i thought that, well, that was, was really magical at that time that was one of the things i liked and with tiny tunes was the fact that they did like tiny tunes versions of with with using the their actual songs of a lot of famous musicians like they did aretha franklin particle man with pmpg well, they, they did particle, particle man with they might be giants and uh istanbul well, not constantinople yep um but then they did respect as well yeah because it's at my church with the old children's pastor that he would play when we were talking about respect as the kids are coming in was that clip from tiny tunes adventures but i mean it's like it was there and then they like i know they did a little bit more over on nickelodeon with kablam 
with uh, they might they might be giant songs, but that's it was those two shows, uh, Kablam and Tiny Toons that got me into they might be giants. Yeah, I'm I'm from a generation or so before you, so my introduction of they might be giants was when Weird Al used to take over MTV and do Al TV. Yeah. Uh, so the the first time I ever heard of them was that he played the video for Put Your Head Inside the Puppet Head. And I was just like, what the hell is this? That man, Al TV was the greatest thing ever. And then he had his own show on CBS for a while that was kind of like a a different version of Pee Wee's Playhouse to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, that was on Hulu for a while as well. And actually, oh, going back to Runaways, the bully on there plays one of the parents on Runaways. <laughs> yes. Great. Like I just I just did that. I'm like, wait a minute. Da, da, ah! <laughs> yeah so this is this is exciting and I, I keep waiting for the show that's going to get me to go all in on hulu although you did say something earlier that that again put that stick in my craw of you're watching it and you're seeing commercials for stuff and i'm like i i still have a problem with the paying the exorbitant fee for hulu uh, uh compared to what i get from what i feel i get from other services and that I'm always still going to have to deal with bullshit commercials with that. And it just that bugs me. To, and I don't know why, because I love commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, I love commercials, but I, I just need to know that they've cleaned up their act with how they do the commercials. I would rather watch commercial television and get a variety of commercials than what Hulu used to do, which was interrupt the show at an inopportune point and play the same commercial like five times. That was just that was unbearable. Anytime I'm on a service that does that, like uh, Pluto TV or whatever, some of yeah. the things that are on Roku do that, and I just I can't I can't handle. Yeah. So the actor I was talking about is uh, Kevin Wiseman, who played Spike on Weird Al TV. It was his second gig that he got on TV. His first gig, he was on Frasier. Oh, yeah. It's cool to think of with all this stuff. But here we have some other news that might bring us some hope. He said in a hopeful manner and that is dc films has a new boss and this is walter hamada um he has been named the head of dc films at warner brothers pictures Uh, this is all from variety he will also reportedly oversee other non-dc continuity comic book to film projects so that would mean what vertigo maybe young young animals if they were to do those in the movies well, there's a lot of DC films that they've announced that we don't know if they're in continuity or not, like the Martin Scorsese, like announced as in a possibility. But the Martin Scorsese Joker movie is that in continuity they they made hems and haws about if the Batgirl film is in continuity or not, if Shazam is in continuity with the rest of the DC film universe or not. So it at this point in time, like we don't even understand the status of what in continuity is uh after justice league not doing what they wanted it to and that's part of why hamada got named is because the guy who was there before had to kind of fall on his sword for the whole thing of a bunch of people saying hey we should we should keep using Zack snyder even though we all sort of agree that it's a mistake to do that but we're just gonna roll with it and hope uh and that blew up in their faces in much the way that was expected yeah so um, Hamada, which people probably will know some of the work that he's produced because he produced this past year um, the, the remake of It, and he was in the and he was producing on the first Conjuring movie. He co-wrote Forty Seven Ronin, and he's he's served as the VP of production over at Columbia Pictures. And 
interesting fact, he has a quote-unquote close relationship with Aquaman director James Wan after direct or after working with him on the Conjuring and Annabelle movies. The other part to note here is that Jeff Johns is has reportedly segued to an advisory role at DC Films, but remains a president and chief creative officer at DC Entertainment. The other DC Films co-head, John Berg, has reportedly moved to a producer or moved to become a producer with Lego Movies' Roy Lee. Yeah, so the Jeff Johns thing, the, the first when this first got talked about, there was a lot of talk that Jeff Johns has been ousted as well uh, from the films, and it doesn't sound like that's actually the case. In fact, Jeff Johns, he tweeted, congratulations to Amada, as, as you do, even if you did get ousted. And then he's like, now we got to get you on Twitter. And I feel like Johns inviting this guy onto Twitter is like when you drink milk and you find out that it's spoiled and then you go to your your roommate or whatever and you say here drink this <laughs> where you just try, trying to spread the pain around like what a fucking dick move to do uh don't go on twitter dude you, you don't need that heat you don't you don't need that fucking abuse in your life plus it's a shithole but I, I i do think that john's is still a part of this maybe not to the degree that he was felt to be before but john still has so much on his plate and at the same time, like there's a whole subdivision of DC that's happening with uh, Didio and Lee's new superhero universe thing that is basically a ripoff of Marvel the whole way through. And I wonder how much he's a part of that. Like the guy seems like he's in so many different things. I would like to see him just concentrate on something at this point or just give up the creative side and be the overseer because I don't feel like he can do any of these things well with the amount he has to do. Like, if Faye over at Marvel was in charge of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and then at the same time was trying to write Avengers the comic series and uh, do another pet project with Marvel, like doing a, a Kamala Khan book or something like equivalent, like, hey, I'm going to write these two high-profile... I'm going to write a really high-profile comic and a, a lesser-profile comic, but it's going to be big because my name's on it, while I'm also trying to oversee all this stuff over here, and then I'm also kind of an editor on some of the other books over here and stuff. Like, you would think, no, you should not do that. You should yeah. step the fuck back and do the thing that you're doing really well at uh, that, that needs your guidance the most. I love... Jeff Johns, I think he's done some great work. I think he's done some less than stellar work too, but it's just been too much. Like they put so much weight on this guy's shoulders. And I think that there's enough people, like what you what you said, with Marvel, they've got Jeff Loeb, not my favorite creator, but Jeff's been in it for a long time. Jeff Loeb's in, in charge of the TV stuff, essentially. Yeah. And Faye's in charge of the film stuff. Johns is kind of like back and forth between all of that. I mean, we got Berlanti as kind of, the overseer of most of the DC TV universe stuff, but that's because everything he's done has landed so far. I think isn't the only thing that Jeff Johns had with the DC TV stuff was Supergirl. Isn't that right? I think so. But again, yeah, that's, and, that's and too Beats, many things. Pointing, yeah. And beats pointing out that uh pro murder TV is pro murder's domain where he is the president, the producer that everyone talks about is Jeff Loeb. Yeah. Pro murder doesn't get his hands sticky, uh, except for when he's shaking him with the president. But you, know, but Loeb is the the creative sort of visionary type, the the Fahey of yeah. the TV universe. 
Yeah. Or or universes, because, again, we're not seeing the interconnectedness of the TV shows to the same degree. Like some of them, yes, but not like what they have in the film universe stuff. The other part with this that we're hit at here is like, I honestly, I agree with you. You know, like, like, I feel like Jeff Johns, he's it's sort of like he's doing, you know, trying to do all these different things and it's falling flat. Like, I just don't know that it plays to his strength to put yeah. him in that type of position. I, I like Jeff Johns as a, a engineer of the universe for continuity and for you have to get to the crux of who these characters are. Like, And I, I feel like Jeff Johns does get that, you know, as, as much as I don't necessarily love the whole bringing back of Barry Allen, he, he understands a Barry Allen character. He understands a Hal Jordan character. He understands a Superman character, a Batman. He knows what makes these characters who they are, as opposed to somebody who just comes in and says, I really like Batman because he's fucking badass and he kills people. Well, that doesn't seem right. Uh, I really like Superman because he's a proto-Jesus. No? I I really like Wonder Woman because tits. Uh, You need to go away, Uh, please. So... yeah. Like that's that's kind of the thing is Johns is the person who's like, no, I I understand DC continuity. I understand DC characters. And and if that's the part that he plays, great, you know, yeah. and, and get him all around. But I don't know that running a a film universe in the overall vision of it, of the stories and everything, was necessarily strength, especially when he was doing so many other things at the same time. You know, I, I don't know anything about Faye before he started with with Marvel films, but he's definitely been the right guy to oversee what that film universe is. And he's picked the right people, you know, for the most part, essentially, to make those movies. So great. And maybe Hamada is what they need at DC to do that now. I just I hope that they haven't set him up to fail. One, because We've had some major disappointments in the three out of the four major films or five films so far, but also because they've got so many ideas spread out all over the place. Like there's a Batman Sentinel movie that Ben Affleck is doing. No, Ben Affleck is not writing, directing or producing it anymore with Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns again. Oh, but he'll still be in it. Well, maybe he won't be in it. Maybe he's not going to be Batman at all anymore. Uh, Well, there's this Batgirl movie that Joss Whedon is doing. And then there's this other five fucking Harley Quinn movies that may be happening and Shazam and is Flash happening? Is Flash not happening? Remember when we were going to have a cyborg film? The fuck were we thinking? Like all this shit, it, it's you're walking into what is just somebody threw Legos all over the floor and you're barefoot. And, yeah. and, and they're like, uh, go find the ones that you need to make the Millennium Falcon. But no, you're not allowed to put on slippers. So to answer your question on what all Kevin Feige's done, Marvel movies, like according to Wikipedia, it's, you know, it started back in 98 with Blade. He was an associate producer. Then, you know, X-Men, Daredevil, X2, Hulk, Punisher. He's done them all. Like he was even an executive producer on Spider-Man 2. You know, he was a producer, co-produced um, The Incredible Hulk with Avi Arad, which he did uh, co-produced Iron Man as well. And also Gail Ann Hurd on The Incredible Hulk. But yeah, even on television, you know, Iron Man Armored Aven- Armored Adventures, Wolverine and the X-Men, Marvel's Agent Carter. He was executive producer on all those. So, I mean, he's basically done, you know, 
the Marvel stuff. Yeah, executive producer is a little weird, but it it is amazing that he that's essentially where he got his start and what he's done the whole time, uh, which also makes me think, dude, what if this guy leaves? Because at some point you might get bored, but he keeps bringing out new shit that maybe keeps him from getting bored. Or maybe he just yeah. is, maybe he's one of those people who's actually content like with the success and says, this is great. Why the fuck would I ever give this up? Cold, dead hand. You know, mm-hmm. just <laughs> some people very rarely do you hear about the people who are like, yeah, I really love what I'm doing. And I, I, I just want to do this for as long as I can, unless it's like I had a shot at something else really good once. And then I felt like all uppity and I left it, David Crusoe. And then I decided uh, I needed to get back to something stable. Uh, while someone was willing to give me the fucking chance again, Catherine Heigl, and uh, and please don't fire me from my show uh, one more time. Uh, everybody at Fox. So, are you are you doing that Kevin that Kevin Nealon bit from SNL? Is that what you're doing right now? I I, I wasn't intentionally. It just sort of happened. <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, so this is pretty cool. I am. I do like the fact that they have. You know, it sounds like they might have someone here who can get an idea as to what the hell they want to do with these movies the last bit of news just real quick dirk gently solistic detective agency has been canceled after two seasons i'm of mixed message because where i like the first season i i'm not 100 sure that i finished it and i haven't even touched season two i so, watched all of season two yeah uh, so I'm part of the i problem. i loved season two but it was very very different from season one and it, it it broke up the team, which they are often to do in second seasons. You can't just get everybody together and have them remain happy. But it did a lot of things that I was just so surprised about. And the the world that they created for it was was great. Uh, the all the the cast was excellent. It might be my favorite TV show of the season of this year. So I'm really bummed to see it go. And I, I also recognize that it's not very much related to Dirk Gently from the books. I read the books a long time ago, like in my in my teens, but I didn't have a huge problem with that again because it was a long time ago. And I think the show just built this great idea and, and ran off with it. I'm sad if it doesn't come back, like if it doesn't get picked up by Netflix or something else, which I, I would like to think that it could. Uh, they just brought the second season to Netflix. Uh, this last week so if you are interested in catching up on it you should be able to yeah but I, but i also i understand you know it's it's on bbc america it's hard for someone who isn't up to snuff with it to just jump right in and it maybe isn't for everybody it's a weird show it's weird and quirky and it, it's exactly what i liked i understand also that there's some issues with max landis and that might be part of it, much like a lot of other things going on right now, is if, if people's names suddenly disappearing off of their own work uh, or they they lose their shows because it seems like people don't want to work with them. Yeah, I could see that being part of the problem. I just I hate to see the show punished if that's the case, because the show itself was, in my opinion, yeah. very fun. But no, yeah, it, it's I mean, honestly, it is sad to see that happen, but. I mean, I, I just, I honestly, I wish everyone involved with it, with Dirk Gently, the best of luck in their next project, which, I mean, if it's Elijah Wood, I mean, God, that dude does like everything. Um, he, he, he does show up in a lot. And that, that's one of the well, fun not, things not about Elijah Wood is that he'll just, he'll pick the weirdest projects. Well, yeah, not even just acting. I mean, if you, if you listen to his episode or watch his episode of Talking with Chris Hardwick, where he talks about his, 
like all of his different passions. I'm like, where do you find the time? I mean, God, and I thought Ryan Seacrest and Chris Hardwick were just busy little beavers, but good God, you put them to shame. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to do anything you wanted, it, it, that's that's kind of a statement of the kind of person that you are. If yeah. you had nothing holding you back, and you if you had the money and and people believing in you, and, and just in general, just the like, you wake up in the morning and I could go anywhere. I could buy anything that I need to. I, I'm not worried about bills. I'm not worried about work stress or anything else. What do I choose to do with that? Yeah. And and there are people who choose to do it all. You know, you get your Renaissance men like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, you you get people who could easily ride on the successes of being an actor but then also produce and then also write and then also do all these other things uh, because it's what they love to do. And then you get some like me who takes a dozen naps. Because uh, <laughs> I love a good nap. Yeah, it, it's 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 appealing. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host here, uh, Garfield. <laughs> uh, brought to you by Casper Sleepbox. I look at that and I respect the hell out of it. I don't know that that would be me, but I... If I woke up and I didn't feel the driving anxiety of uh, my house is falling apart, my life doesn't really make a lot of sense, and uh, I, I just keep waiting for the moment the wife is going to leave me because why does she have to deal with this shit with me? Uh, <laughs> I, then I think I would, I would probably pick up my guitar once in a while. I would probably, you know, I would find the time to write, not constantly and maybe not even for a living, maybe not even for publishing. But just to the joy that I get, I love to write when I'm doing it, but it's getting to that chair, it's getting to that yeah. desk and making that decision and feeling like I don't have a billion other things that are on my plate already that are far more important than my good mental health. Maybe I would do those things, you know, yeah. or maybe I would I would watch all of American Gods like I wanted to and just haven't gotten around to it yet. There, there's there's a lot of compelling things to distract, but the distractions are usually because you can't deal with so much of the the real shit at once. And if I yeah. wasn't distracted, would I be better or would it be the same? And I can't I can't tell you that I would be a better person. This might be the person that I'm supposed to be. I don't hate it. I just I'd like to make subtle changes. But man, you know that you see the people who just do it all, and it's it's easy to make fun of a Ryan Seacrest because he's just so overexposed, or a Chris Hardwick because he's you turn on your TV and he's fucking everywhere, and you're like, fuck that guy, you know? I got to watch another goddamn Chris Hardwick show. No, there's nothing wrong with those people. They're up there because they're good at what they do, and they do it. They put it in the fucking work, you know. That, that's that's something to respect. So that's gonna do it for the news and. If you want to help us out, you know, help us keep the lights on so we can keep on ranting here. You want to um, take a little bit of stress off of Corey's plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can go over to GNCast.com slash support. And over there, you'll find our Patreon page where you can, you know, donate money to us. And it keeps us you know, going and, you know, helps us just keep the lights on here at the studio. You know, just keeping the, the WordPress going, all the plugins for it, and, you know, the the paying these the fees for the domain so that GNCast continues to go to us and doesn't go to a porn website or whatever. But yeah, that's all that stuff can be found there. 
it is on to the else views this is the section of the show where we talk about the tv shows movies comic books music basically whatever we've been watching over the past two three weeks or since since we were last here Corey, you got anything or because i've you got, know what i've got, I, I've got a couple I, can, I, can talk I can jump on a grenade and oh. uh and and say that i watched and pretty much enjoyed for the most part right oh cool. uh, okay I, I'm the guy. I'm I'm the one. I I must be the 11 million views that it got on opening weekend. Although I only remember watching it once. And this was well, from okay, okay. No, this is from the person who who directed what became Suicide Squad after someone else got their grubby mitts on it, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is from David Ayer. But now you said something interesting because I mean it's not like you watched El Camino Christmas or something like that. I don't and even know what that is. That was. That was one of the so with uh, Netflix re- revealing all these different statistics, they also released a statistic, a statistic for one of their other new movies that came out that stars Tim Allen called El Camino Christmas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I didn't I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. Uh, it, it so wasn't no, that I missed it that was one. it was another Christmas movie. That actually stars uh, Rose McIver for my zombie, the, the boyfriend um, something or the prince yeah. or I don't yeah. know. That he's like, oh, all these guys watch this one. It's like probably because Rose McIver because she's hot. I had I had seen the the commercial for Bright way back when, and uh, a lot of people that I am friends with, most of us are gamers, are are, and I mean like role playing gamers. So this looked like modern day Dungeons and Dragons. And there there was some of that. There really wasn't enough of that. Yeah. We we got trolls, we got elves, uh, we got fairy in a bug zapper. Not mm-hmm. a lot beyond that. But I I feel like one, I think by the time I saw this, it was already the plan that there was gonna be more movies. And then Netflix announced a sequel almost immediately after it it hit the air but I, I i definitely see it as the world building there wasn't a ton of it but i didn't hate that there wasn't a ton of it and it doesn't do all the in your face shit that again going back to suicide squad what it got edited in to do where they put up the the character blurbs for all the people that they show up on screen and like and and here's this guy and he's good with a noose and here's this guy and he likes to bite people's heads off and shit. But it it had some of the some of the basic character types of like in in Suicide Squad, Killer Croc was very gangsta-esque. Uh yeah. and that's how you say that, Jeopardy, uh gangsta. But they they did a little bit of that with the trolls in this, so it, it felt kind of like that's I don't know if that's a racial profiling thing or what, but it just seemed like, yeah, that's what they do. And the elves are elves, elvish, uh, except they're all dicks and heavily magic users in in this, at least. But it was just fun. You know, it was a a fun, good, action-heavy, being chased through the city, buddy cop who don't like each other kind of thing. It's like 48 hours meets, oh God, what was... I'm trying to think of a movie where where people get chased. Oh, uh, Attack the Block, maybe. Okay. Where the, they're running away from aliens and stuff, or, or everybody's coming after you. Uh, the Warriors is another good example of that. I I think 
alienation certainly in the relationship of the two characters to each other good call beat very much that uh all things that i i like all things that make for a good fun film dread the dread movie except the dread movie all happened inside one building the the us against the world or the world really against us thing and trying to find their way out of it and not getting along at the same time and not having the best relationship i can't think of anything that is a major complaint about this movie and overall like if the sequel hit tomorrow i'd gladly watch the sequel yeah. you know not because i'm expecting it to be better but just as more of the same i i would like to see more of this now i know that they released some backstory short or something that's supposed to give you more information about it if you're the sort of person who needs that thing then sure and i i wouldn't mind seeing it but it hasn't been urgent for me i got what i needed out of the movie you know and I got it with the idea that there will be more of this too, but I didn't feel lost in it. I didn't feel like there was anything in the story that was like some big plot hole that doesn't explain that needed to. It's just like, it doesn't over explain. It brings you in, it gives you just enough and it lays out the premise and you, you run with it or they run with it. I, I don't, I don't know what the common complaint really was about it. I saw so many things saying that it's not a good movie and I, I just, I don't know that I would say it's a great movie, but it tells a better story than a lot of other stuff that I've seen be successful and, and or or expect to be ex- successful because it's a huge blockbuster. I just thought it was fun. Oh, and the guy who this played was... the troll partner, just real fast. Troll. Is, is it Joel Edgerton? Great. I loved his character. I absolutely yeah. loved his character because he's he's just so earnest and and this place like doesn't really he's. I can't say that he's not bright, but he's just not street smart for wanting to be a cop. But all of his motivations and stuff, as you you find them out and you see his character, just felt authentic. And his his comedy chops were really good, like how he was interacting with Will Smith's character was was all really good. And I didn't recognize him from other stuff, mostly because of the makeup. Yeah. But I, I I was really glad with his his performance. That's good. I mean, it's one of the things that, like, th- this has been on my radar, but then again, I find, like, like like we talked about earlier, I find myself going into the comfort hole of, let's watch Travel Man, or, you know, these shows that I've already seen, like, let's just watch them, or whatever, while I'm, and I'm going to use this as my segue, reading comic books like Quantum and Woody number 1, written by uh, Daniel uh, Kibblesmith, with art by Kano. And this, we talked about it earlier, or like earlier on uh, last year, because they were, they announced that this was being a, this was a reboot, that this was happening. And I had seen it through comic shop news. And I'm like, all right, cool. So it's coming out here relatively soon. Then I saw it. I'm like, all right, buying it. Now, I, for whatever reason, I've uh, mainly stuck with DC and Marvel, you know, DC, Marvel, and Image. When it comes to my comics, you know, and then Archie for Archie comics with Archie and then Jughead when they are doing those comics, but it's mainly the big, the big three and it's nothing against the other other guys. It's just, I, I, I have never really had a good jumping on point, but this is a great jumping on point. They give you the origin of the, of the characters in a way. And then they give you the stuff that is happening right now with the story. Not only that, this has got me, they have a, in the end of here, 
a two or three page preview of the next issue of Exo Manowar, which they're like they're billing it as a good as a jumping on point. I'm like, I was reading it, I'm like, I might pick up Exo Manowar. So they're doing their job here, you know, Valiant of here, check out this from us as well. Or check out that from us as well. The story, really quick, because it's it's number one, they're doing a lot of setup here. You meet them, you meet Quantum and Woody in their or Eric and Woody in their uh their secret hideout as they called it which their treehouse and their backyard and you figure out that Woody his parents died or something so he's living with he's been adopted by um Eric's family and all this then you fast forward to the present day where they or to where they're adults where they become superheroes or quantum gets recruited to become a superhero Woody's trying to do the whole package deal thing they go their own ways but with their and you you can explain their powers a little bit more but basically they have to come and as they say clang you know touch bracelets every like three weeks or something like that you know every so often otherwise they explode and they've grown to resent each other and all that stuff but you know it, it was good it's, it's hard, hard for me to explain because I'm remembering pieces out of order but I mean, all in all, it's a great, it's a great comic. Like I, I mentioned it before we got on here, Gordon. I'm like, I really think you would enjoy this. You know, yeah, classic Quantum Woody comics. back when it was created, uh, when Valiant got purchased by Acclaim was, I want to say created by, it was certainly brought about and, and recognized as being under the helm of Christopher Priest. Christopher Priest, who's had a recent resurgent do it, resurgence doing stuff with DC with Deathstroke and now he just started doing the Justice League book and and widely considered to be a a hugely talented writer but hasn't had like major successes that like you would think of him being he in people's minds he's a bigger name than what his books have done sales wise throughout the years uh his Black Panther run uh his his group the crew he also went by a different name uh, on some of his stuff too. I want to say it's Alzi, but I, I could be completely wrong on that. I've always liked Priest and and I think he does a, f- a good line between doing stuff that can be very serious and very real world feeling in stories and then also doing comedy. And Quantum and Woody was this great book because of the, again, the the partnership, the the buddy cops who hate each other thing of a of a 48 hours versus a lethal weapon although the first lethal weapon they they definitely didn't get along quantum and woody the fact that they had to rely on each other because they had to touch or clang their their wrists together to get their powers to activate uh a g-soping which i think is kind of what they do in the gifted right isn't that what the the teens do is it no. has to do with proximity their powers improve or get stronger that's the way the characters I- were in the comics yeah, it, it goes in like that with a little bit later on in the show, but the the way it starts is the girl she creates air pot like sort of like air shields. So with with honestly, with how they look on the TV, they sort of look like silicon, almost like like breast implant things that just pop up and appear because they're all just like little like pocket shaped things. And then the the boy he just as he gets angry, he just tears things apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they 
focus in on these same things, it becomes super duper destructive, much right. like their comic book counterparts. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and Quantum Woody, one of them is the is the more serious one who who wears an actual costume, a mask and a cape and everything. And the other one is kind of the, no the cool guy. Uh, lean back wearing sunglasses opposed to a mask and and doesn't take anything seriously and always lets you down. But that that's the joy of it. And since the revival of Valiant in the last few years, I was reading uh, Archer and Armstrong, which I had never really read before. But I was reading that series when Fred Van Lente was writing it. Mm-hmm. And those characters, kind of the same thing. Archer, very serious, very kind of regal and and more like a knight and armstrong is the boisterous drunk immortal guy who is a little bit more like thor leaning towards volstag like if you think of thor in the first thor movie where he's like throwing tankards into the fire and all that stuff that's that's armstrong and and archer is the guy who's like he's got a quest and he takes his quest very seriously he wants to follow through it but that again the the conjecture of the two of them together and how that works and just some amazing storytelling around those characters, which kind of all added up to it. So quantum Woody, Archer and Armstrong kind of the same ideas. It's just in how they play out. Yeah. And, and, and in both cases, that that's not a bad story to jump through. It's just that how many times you go to the same well in the same universe. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, I like the book. The other ones that I've been reading, I mean, Doomsday Clock, I've been enjoying, um, speaking of Jeff Johns, um, and then the resurrection of uh, Jean Grey the, of the Phoenix, that's been a compelling story as well. Actually, with that one, one of the first things I've ever done is bought an expensive variant. I bought a $20 comic book with the issue one with the, I believe it was the one in 25 printing variant. And I'm like, well, I want to read it. I don't want to, you know, I want actually want to pay for the comic, so... I'll do it, <laughs> and all that. But yeah, uh, was those it, are just really... they didn't have any of the regular covers available. No, so because what I I had been doing and or I have been doing is going into the comic book store on Fridays when I get paid, um, you know, every other week, and so in this week I or this time I'd actually saved up some money to where I could go uh, this past Wednesday, which is when I got no, I got Quantum and Woody last week, but when I'd gotten the this week's comics or this past week's comics with uh. Uh, Batman went a uh, white knight and a couple other books they, like I got in there and that was the last issue they had was the one in 25 right. um, variants. So you weren't looking to buy a variant, but it just, no. since all the other ones had sold out. You were like, well, I'll just yeah. go for it. Then. And it was, it was the same this past week. Cause it, it, the feet, the uh, Phoenix resurrection series is every week. Like for, starting yeah. two weeks ago it's five weeks just boom 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 and when i went there this past wednesday i had the option of a regular variant for six dollars <laughs> or another one at 25 i'm like i'm not doing that one i'm gonna do this one <laughs> and so yeah and i but again i i don't regret it because it's you know it's one of those like i opened it up to the back to get the digital code and read it digitally (laughs) comics app but yet didn't do so it's like you know it's it's in good condition it's in my long box or my short box over here it's kind of a rite of passage every comics fan like a a 
a comics fan of, of someone who goes to a, and supports a local comic shop, which is not to say that people who read digitally are not comics fans or not true comics fans. They, of course they are. Um, but that first time that you get your first variant, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's better when you do it by a conscious choice of like, Oh, I really want to get this variant. Uh, this is the one that I'm looking to get into, but it's still, a, it's kind of like that moment of like, Oh, I, I got this in this, a perceived value because all of it is, of course, only perceived. It's not realistic to say that this thing that's printed on the same kind of paper as everything else and yeah. has the same stock of covers as everything else, but just has different artwork on it is actually valued higher. It's it's like sports cards or or anything. It's, you don't need it to live. Uh, it's a want, not a need. But to have that one thing and treat it a little bit more special and keep it bag and board to keep it pristine, maybe one day save up to get it slabbed and uh it, cg graded or whatever yep. that, that that's kind of neat when i shortly after i moved to california and i was working at the the comic store out here the fantasy books and games uh the first job i had out here that was when gen 13 did their number one that had i want to say 13 covers for their regular series they'd had their mini series already and then they did the the multiple covers but that seems low because there were a lot of covers might have been closer to 30 and I remember getting a bunch of those covers for a friend who was really into Gen 13 and it was not easy to get any of them, let alone uh, it seemed, I think at that point, kind of impossible to get all of them unless you had pre-ordered and done all that stuff. But it was it was cool to do it. And and some of the covers were exceptionally neat. Uh, so that's what I would concentrate on. I'm always the person who tries to buy the cover that I think looks good, not necessarily is the rarest one, or more often yeah. than not, I'm the person who'll buy the cover that's by the interior artist. I like having the interior artist do the covers uh, because I like to know what I'm getting into when I open a book. I don't want to see this really spectacular poster styled art on the front and then I open it up and it looks like drawn over shit inside, yeah. which is not necessarily the case if there's a cover artist versus an interior artist, but it, it's been often the case, especially yeah, lately when they switch artists from month to month on a book and yeah, you don't have a consistent storytelling style be, uh, the whole way across. There, there's been a few exceptions to that rule for me, but ba mainly I follow that same thing. Like, you know, like I've bought in other variants. I need to get what I believe issue four and five are not one. They're not four and five, but they're part four and part five of Descenders. Uh, Rise of the Robots event because they had the interconnecting issues uh, covers. At the first three, I even bought. I have two copies of the first one actually because I had like accidentally bought the the one and I'm like, no, I want the inner cover. And they ordered it for me and I'm like, oh, I still want the book, so I want to read it and all that. So I have number issue number one twice. I think I have that like with some of the champions books, but it's like it's one of those things like I. Every, with all these it's i buy it like what cover interests me the most when i'm looking at you know at, at my at nostalgia inc at my local comic shop that looks good and i'm like all right i'm gonna do that one and sometimes it's like they don't order enough or you know i just because i show up on a friday they're they've run out and i'm like oh well this is slim pickings okay um and if it's an issue that's i'm really want i'll be like all right can you order me this and all that so that i can have this book and not cry <laughs> or something you know something like that but i mean it's i don't know i look at this i i like i look at that and i'm like 
it looks it looks like a cool cover so i'm like all right i'm not gonna not pay 20 bucks for that uh, cover if it's gonna be crap yeah. you know but but yeah so that is the else views i i stuck to one mainly i talked about a couple other things but it was just more quick picks we'll be right back with the else words the galaxy far far away feels closer now than ever before and your guides through this galaxy are ready to help I'm Zach Hagenbusher, one half of the new Jedi Archives podcast with Ben Schultz. Join us every other Tuesday for our experiences with the Star Wars saga from the core films that we know and love, well, you know, some of them, to the annals of history and the works that shaped Star Wars into what we know it as today. Just jump in wherever you'd like. Download an episode of the new Jedi Archives today. And we are back and it is time for the Elsewords. This is the one topic show part of the show where we talk about things that are coming up this week we are talking about some of the movies that are coming out this next year that we are excited for some of these are going to be obvious some of these are going to be wait what so some of these will be subject to probably subject to change i'm going to skip right to february unless there's anything in january you want to hit well january we've already we've already started so we've we've seen insidious the last key is out i feel like there's there's been really diminishing returns on the insidious movies the first one was was great if if you like something that's basically a rip off of poltergeist uh it's a, it's a good rip off of poltergeist yeah. and then the second one was okay and then the third one was really bad and i don't know that it's improving i love the concept i love the the lead actress and her character i love the Geek Squad guys, essentially, that she she tools around with, one of which is, uh, I want to say it's actually James Wan, or the writer of the film that became the director of the films. I don't remember exactly, but I don't know what the expectation is of a horror movie that comes out the first week of January. I'm su- surprised that there's a Paddington 2, but it looks cute and kind of awesome. I don't know what else. The, the end of the month is bringing us the new Maze Runner. I kind of yeah. thought the Maze Runner was like the uh, Insurgent series that they just kind of gave up, uh, or or what was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe films too, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. where they 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 get to a point and they're just like, oh, no one's really coming to see these anymore. So I am surprised as shit that the Maze Runner is coming out, but I guess since it's only a trilogy, it's okay. At least it doesn't look like they're trying to do the the last book in two parts. Uh, which is yeah. probably the best thing they can go with. We watched the first Maze Runner, and it was it was interesting. And then it ended in a point of like, "Holy shit, you have to watch the next movie!" But then we never watched the next movie. Yeah, and I, I think it probably had something to do with the fact that Peter Baelish, Littlefinger, whatever, uh, is is in it, and he's like the Scorch. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't need to see any more of you right now, Ed. I'm gonna move on to February here because, like, again, like I said, there's some like Den of Thieves interests me a little bit but not to go see it in theaters probably more of a you know rent the movie or something later on but february 16th has black panther that tra- yeah. i saw that trailer it's thor ragnarok and oh good god i'm like i want this in my life right now bring this yeah. to me i kind of feel like black panther didn't necessarily get the short shrift it just seems like so long ago that we were talking about black panther and then they recently as 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 recent as a month ago uh dropped the avengers infinity war trailer yeah. and so i i feel almost like i forgot black panther was happening not just before it but also so soon like it seemed like oh well black panther must be happening after avengers because we're not seeing a lot about it right now and i i feel like that's a huge mistake but every time it pops up 
everybody seems to get super excited about it. And I am just all over this movie. This looks incredible. And I, I really think that this has a lot on its on its back of high expectations from the audience at this point. But it looks like it's earning those expectations. And everything I see, it's just so exciting and seems to be bringing some really new and needed things to the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in a way that, say, Ant-Man or Doctor Strange didn't. You know, they were consistent with what was out there. They were fun and they were they were fully enjoyable movies. But this is a movie that I feel like just builds something that wasn't there. Like that that first time I saw the Winter Soldier and I walked out and like, holy shit. And the first time I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I did not expect this from Marvel superhero movies. This is that next level of that. Like, not just, oh, I'm going to have that same reaction. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm going to get more out of this than I've gotten out of any of them so far of doing something new and and exciting. So you're right. I'm, I'm totally up on this. Now, I won't say that it, it ranks above Fifty Shades Freed for me because uh, how can it i just i haven't seen enough spanking so far in the 50 shades <laughs> universe i really need that third dose of it oh god please yes he said breathlessly into his partner's ears i i i, I hate that an actress that i really like because of a tv show that she was on honestly is is known most for her association with these movies and and she shouldn't feel bad about it it, it it's it's kind of like the same thing that happened with Kristen Stewart and I I hope that she doesn't get the backlash that Kristen Stewart has had for a long time and I think is hopefully finally uh managed to get out of yeah with the people just like oh you're so full of shit because you were in those goddamn Twilight movies I hope that Dakota Johnson doesn't get the same thing for being in the 50 Shades movies it, it certainly helped jumpstart her career at a level that she probably would have struggled to get to without getting this kind of blow up project. But I just also, I look at these movies as being just so horrible, not because of what they're about, but because of how pathetically they are about them. And because the source material is such shit when it comes to BDSM and, and the Christian gray characters just God awful. And in a situation where we are in a looking at all the abusers in Hollywood already to have this film series coming out and finishing off right now is just such a slap in the face to the Me Too slash Time's Up movements that I just kind of go, how? How do we feel okay with this? But it'll come out. People yeah. who are still interested in in taking it all the way to the end will we'll watch it. And then hopefully she gets to do better films than that uh because she i feel she deserves it yeah but we'll see so march and we're not gonna hit every month because there's I, I think august there's no movies in there that interest me march for me death wish i'm curious about because this one has some of the controversy same controversies that ghost in the shell had because this is based off of a manga slash anime and apparently there's some whitewashing in this or something um, I think I'm. I could be confusing things. Which one are you talking about? Death Wish coming out Friday. Isn't, March. I thought Death Wish is the remake of the Charles Bronson movies, starring Bruce Willis. Is that the case? Oh, I, yeah, I, it is. It is because I'm thinking of Death Note. Sorry. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're Death right. Note was the right. the Netflix uh, original. 
so anyways scratch that because didn't know that although very funny the death witch is right above gringo uh, <laughs> yeah um, so a wrinkle in time i'm looking forward to a uh, tomb raider because because mainly it seems like they're basing this more off of the recent game that they did uh with the tomb raider series well tomb raider um, just seems like it's the it, not to disqualify it it's it's the female indiana jones and by that, I don't mean, oh, they're just taking Indiana Jones and gender bending it. But I mean, the giant world adventure scale mm-hmm. type movies. And yeah. that's why I, I find Tomb Raider so exciting. I think there's such huge potential there. It, it, just in the same well, way yeah. that but the Mummy you... movies, Brendan Fraser's character was kind of like an Indiana Jones character. Or the National Treasure movies were Indiana Jones-esque in the stories they were telling. I think Tomb Raider has such huge potential and i think the movie the first movie delivered on that for the most part and then the second movie didn't and they they never followed up after that and it may have been because angelina jolie was so big that to relegate her to being tomb raider at that point in time wasn't a good enough fit for her to stick it out whereas since this actress is not not established but she is still not at that level this could be big for her and it could be big for the franchise and i'd like to see this franchise have success and then Friday, March 30th. Oh, good Lord. So I'm hoping this movie does not let me down. Ready Player One. I've seen By the way, you're talking about Lean on Pete, <laughs> which I assume is a movie about a mossy tree. Uh, yes. But no, Ready Player One. This is the first movie that I've seen from where I read the book before. And I'm like, they've taken the pictures that I formed in my mind from reading the book and they've made it a trailer. They made it two trailers. Can they make it a movie? Still not terribly familiar with the book, so I can't I can't say that I look at those trailers and and the, second, the same excitement the, that other people do. The second trailer is the one that explains the whole book. You know, it explains everything. Yeah, I've, I've and, seen that. And and I I, yeah. I, I get it. I, I have enough understanding of what the book's about. I yeah. just don't have the the attachment to it that other people do who've read the book because the book is it, it, to many people amazing it is to me it it by sound only by by not having read it yeah nostalgia for nostalgia's sake Mm -hmm. and nostalgia in the place of story is how when i hear it described i think oh like everybody says you should read this you would love this book you are you are the the guy in this book and i'm like yeah that's maybe why i shouldn't read it because it's not gonna it's not gonna pull me out of my reality. It's going to pinpoint all the things that I feel like are wrong with me. Yeah, I have issues, but still, it well, it, it looks no. good. It looks interesting. And and beat is pointing out that I left out Pacific Rim. That's because I haven't seen the first Pacific Rim. So I did that intentionally because I haven't seen the first. So therefore, I I wouldn't feel right recommend like for me saying I'm looking forward to the second when I haven't seen the first. And I saw Pacific Rim, and I remember enough to feel like I didn't see Pacific Rim. <laughs> uh, but, but but I get Beat's thing was, because Pacific Rim, yeah. especially because it's got John Boyega, also from Attack of Block, if we're going backwards, could potentially be very fun. I am I into kaiju? So I haven't watched the new Godzilla. I haven't watched the new King Kong. And I know that there's some other new Godzilla movie that's supposed to team them up. And I, I have not had any interest in any of those. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe that's not my not my bag. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but, but I, but I, what I, I think I, I, what I think is in your bag, though, 
will be in April. Well, wait. Uh, one thing you okay. skipped over in yes. March uh, yes. was the Black Widow movie that is not called Black Widow because Marvel couldn't get off their fucking asses to make a Black Widow movie. Uh, that is March 2nd, Red Sparrow, the <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence movie that is blatantly Black Widow. <laughs> and um, and if it succeeds, and I don't know if it will, it may be, it may be the... the um, the upstart film of like, oh shit, this is actually a lot of fun and really good, like Atomic Blonde was with Charlie's Theron. If it does anything like that, Marvel should feel a good swift kick to the nuts uh, yeah. because they could have done this already, and they should okay, have done yeah, this yeah. already. No, you say this, and I'm looking from like, like just doing a, the, a Google search of it. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is on my list because Marvel's done the Marvel Legacy. Let me use the quotes around that. Um, version of you know a a new black widow that they barely touched that you could have easily seen being the you know being called red sparrow and all that to where yeah okay i'm gonna yeah i'm I'm adding that to my list i'm gonna forget death i I see the problem is i just picked the wrong march 2nd movie because i thought death wish was death note yeah (laughs) but yeah april on friday the 13th (laughs) it's a it's I'm pretty sure this is one of your picks here. Um, the New Mutants is coming out. Um, I wanted to be, I wanted to be good, man. I, yeah. I, I, I love the New Mutants more than I love the X Men. Yeah. When when they both came out, the X Men, I came in at like 163. The New Mutants started maybe about a year after I started reading the books, and because they were closer to my age, they were more like my peers. They were in school they were just starting out and discovering their powers like the x-men were already established they had a history uh they were fighting in space the new mutants were were fighting on earth and and dealing with complications in life and the single favorite comic of my entire youth was was a new mutants comic that i got signed by chris claremont uh sinkevich who's the artist that they're pulling heavily from for this for inspiration is just amazing and again you know changed how i saw comics especially superhero comics being able to be i really hope this is excellent plus magic one of my all-time favorite characters uh in general not just as part of the new mutants i really want this to do well but i want to do well because it's a great rendition of of a movie for the new mutants while the new mutants i watched the trailer and and even with the the Demon Bear Saga stuff. I don't necessarily see New Mutants in the trailer so far, but they can they can do something to surprise me. They can impress me. They they can make it be something great that maybe isn't like Dirk Gently, like isn't Dirk Gently as I recognize him, but it's still a great ton of fun to watch and and see and be a part of. This could be the other X-Men property that I'm excited for when the X-Men films have let me down so badly. Yeah. Um, the next one that I think we've been waiting for for a while, uh, Super Troopers 2, because they did that Kickstarter or Indiegogo thing like three years ago, it seems like. Um, that comes out on Friday, April 20th. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, because I like the first one. Yeah, it's it's up against Rampage, which is another rock movie. <sighs> yeah, true. And, and I, I, I love, man, I love Dwayne Johnson. Don't get me wrong. But he, yeah. he needs to start being challenged. <laughs> I, I I I see that that people are are digging the the new Jumanji film. 
and uh, and I don't think anybody in that movie is playing against type. So it's just it's just good mindless fun, and I'm I'm cool with good mindless fun. But too many of the rock movies are looking the same, and and I see this rampage thing, and it just looks that same level of sameness, and it's based off of a video game that I like a lot, but is a video game that doesn't need a goddamn movie. And I don't know that this is doing the game's origins any justice with what it is, but that's yeah. based off of what is effectively teasers at this point. Yeah. could be fun. So, I just know yeah. low expectations, low expectations. I don't true, expect true. it to be Baywatch, but I don't necessarily expect it to be Jumanji by that point either. And it looks yeah. like a full week of stuff coming out because the, the untitled Cloverfield movie it, it looks like it's been moved to that week as well. And I know that that had gotten pushed back. If they pushed it back to go up against Rampage, maybe they think they've got something there. Yeah. Um, in May, we get uh, Avengers Infinity War. Um, and then we get Solo, a Star Wars story. Not really. The other movies aren't really. I don't care about Slenderman and all that. I mean, I, I feel um, like I have to care about Slenderman because I, I'm on Podcast of Terror and we did the pre the creepy pasta episode. One of the first movies that we reviewed in pod, uh, Podcast of Terror was a Slenderman type film. But I, I don't know anything about this movie to really say that I'm yeah. excited for it. it. It could be cool. Infinity War is is going to be a beast. Yeah, like it is. It is something that I think every other movie of the summer is going to compare itself to and if anything beats it that's going to be a huge win for whatever movie does and i i I don't i hear mixed things about solo like they expect it to fail i don't know that anybody expects a star wars movie to fail but i i can certainly see they expect a star wars movie not to be the success of the other star wars movies it'll be interesting to see what they can make out of that film with with how much they've had to redo yeah but oh, god damn, you know, we get we get Donald Glover as Lando. <laughs> yeah. Like so, I, I I always go back to I don't want to see Han Solo not be Harrison Ford. I don't necessarily want to see Lando not be Billy D. Williams. But if we're gonna get it, Donald Glover is the one to go with. Yeah. So June we have Deadpool 2, um, Oceans 8, I'm mildly interested in. Um, the Incredibles two, I I love that little teaser that we had. One I will mention, but I'm not I'm not a big fan of. Um, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh Jesus um, Christ! It, <laughs> and then the the Sicario two, uh, Soldado. All those what was coming Sicario out. Sicario one. Uh, Sicario one was the starred Emily Blunt and um, was it Benicio del Toro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Benicio del Toro. That was who I thought it was. But I'm like, wait, no, it's not Benicio del Toro. It's the other guy. But yeah, it was. Uh, is that a political intrigue spy thing or? No, it's a drug cartel thingy. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, that's uh, why I, I I don't know it because they're yeah. two perfectly great people. I I I sort of remember seeing a commercial or something for it at one point. I am yeah. surprised as shit that it did well enough to get a sequel, but I don't know what it's. I I don't expect that it's like trying to be Jurassic World or whatever. <laughs> Does Jurassic World look like shit? It's like it's the, not, the new one. I, I saw the trailer and it looked like shit to me. I've I've not see. I'm not a big fan of of the Jurassic Park series myself. So I like Jurassic Park. Like and yeah, then like, everything they've done past that has been like, yeah. just like hey. like, like I, I I like the first one. I mean, the first one scared me when I was a kid, which I mean it was supposed to, and all that. But I mean, I haven't had really had the interest in 
you know, seeing these new, these new ones, you know, so I'm like, eh, I mean, it's out there. Hey, cool. You know, go watch it. Uh, um, I, I just, I saw that the trailer and it just, it felt like the same things again, over again. And it felt so evocative of the Jurassic Park sequel, which was, Hey, everything you liked about the first one. Yeah. We're going to fuck that up now. And uh, we're going to bring in a bunch of characters and, and do all this stuff that makes no sense to even remotely do this. Yeah. Uh, just because we want to show you more fucking dinosaurs wandering around and uh, and Chris Pratt. Because you like Chris Pratt. I do like Chris Pratt. Well, well hey, like hey speaking, of, at all. Yeah, speaking of more of the same, I mean, in July we get The Purge 4. <laughs> I haven't watched any of The Purge movies. I haven't either. I've not, I've I've not been, been there. there. Yeah, but, um, but I'm going to try to go through these quickly. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hotel Transylvania, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel to Mamma Mia, which I feel like if they do a third one, it'd be Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, My, My, How Could I Resist You? Yeah. Like they're just going to keep, eventually they're going to go like to 20 and it's going to be the whole song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Teen, uh, Mission Impossible 6 and Teen Titans Go, the movie, or sorry, Teen Titans Go to the movies. Which okay, now that I hear that title, I sort of want them to do like a, a mystery theater three thousand slash riff tracks thing where you're watching another movie. <laughs> like 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 you're watching the Teen Titans Trouble in Tokyo movie while the other ones are the Teen Titans try to sit through Justice <laughs> yes. League and at some point you just see Robin beating his face with his own staff because he can't <laughs> believe what kind of shitty stuff is happening up on the screen with the, his mentor and all of his favorite heroes. And yes. Cyborg looks at himself up there. He's like, "I quit." Just like walks out. <laughs> By the way, Cyborg, one of the the better parts of the Justice League movie. Uh, he, yeah, the actor did a really good job with a character that I couldn't believe that I even cared about. Um. Yeah. So in August we get the Equalizer two. I'm only mentioning because it's a sequel. Barbie and I really like the first Equalizer. Again, nothing yeah. like the the TV series as I remember it. But it's hard to go wrong with Denzel, especially Denzel kicking ass. Yeah. Barbie, which I'm assuming is based off of the doll. We're you getting the for... Predator. Oh, oh the, what, is, is that is that the... That, I believe that is the introduction of the Predator creature into well, its, its a new movie again. Yeah. So, that was my bad. I, I was like, okay, the what does it say? A biopic on... Uh, on any you know insert name <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but then uh the 10th has a remake of scarface because we needed that oh god no um i don't i don't like mobster shit yeah, anyways but yeah um and then we have i'm just going off the title alone crazy rich asians in on friday august 17th then september continuing with the whole denzel thing um oh wait the- no 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 go back friday uh, or not not friday but in august on yep. the 17th the Happy Time Murders. Okay. And the Happy Time Murders is the murder mystery with Muppet characters, but not necessarily Wait. the Muppets. I think it's uh, Melissa McBride is is a part of it. And yeah, I, I've been waiting for this movie to come out because I had a horrific dream when I was a child recurring about a, a axe-wielding Muppet killing uh, all the other Muppets on The Muppet Show. And I was I was there as like the scooter of the show, and then Henry Winkler was the guest that week. So <laughs> this is one of those things where my childhood horror fantasy comes to life and goes into film. Please, I'm tell really me. excited for this. Okay, yeah, I'm getting excited for this too. 
I will be even more excited if the puppets are made by Jim Henson. They are. I, oh, I my feel... God. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So if you, if you haven't so ever in. seen Meet the Feebles, uh, you can you can whet your appetite with Meet the Feebles, which is an old Peter Jackson movie around the, the time of Bad Taste and stuff before he like started getting busy with the Hobbits. But I'm, yeah, I'm I'm jazzed for the Happy Time Murders. So I, I don't want to skip what is the the no the, yeah yeah I expect yeah, no. Barry Diamond in the midst of things like Equalizer Two and shit. I I thank you for this, and I hope I do not forget that when it comes out. But now it going to September. There's not a lot in here. Darkest Minds Alpha Robin Hood. Robin Hood has uh, Egerton from The Kingsman in it, right? I believe so. The Kid Who Would Be King is another movie in here. It we're a little far ahead now where I some of these things yeah, I don't This is I don't think we're going to know much about what they're about. Yeah, this is when when we get into September with it being being the beginning of the year, even sometimes in August, this is where the movies will get uh pushed back. This is where you're seeing a lot of like if you if you look at the list, we'll have it in our show notes. Um you'll see like the untitled Cloverfield movie or this or that, it, it it's it's under it's understandable that this October brings us to, yeah, something. Ter- that Egerton, it, yeah, Ter- yeah, Terry yeah. Egerton is is Robin Hood. Yeah, <clears throat> Paul Anderson is a guy at Bisburn. Um, Jamie Dornan, there's your Fifty Shades Freed connection. Uh, Jamie Foxx is playing Little John. That's I, I, I'm that's yeah. pretty cool. I I mean, we're we're just a year out from when Guy Ritchie did King Arthur. And yeah. and I see this, and I I don't know I don't know that the world's screaming for another Robin Hood take, let alone a a gritty sort of modernized but still in the past thing. I don't know exactly what they're going with for it, but we'll see. I I really like Robin Hood as a character. It's just it's it's been done so much in in my lifetime alone, and I'll I'll have to see. But October on the fifth, right in the beginning of the month, we get what I still don't know. Is the spinoff from Spider-Man? Is the related to Spider-Man? Is he not? The Sony said, fuck it, we have him. Let's make a film with him. Venom. Yeah. So Venom's coming out. That's again, this is one I if depending on if there's hookups, this could, you know, get bumped back because it's so far enough. Um again, October, this is looking like like looking at a lot of this, a lot of stuff that you're like, wait, really? Did this have to be done? Um there's a a new Halloween reboot. Um, there's a sequel to Ghostbumps, or sorry, not Ghostbumps, Goosebumps, which I saw that I was like that needed to happen. Um, the Halloween reboot is uh, one of the people that's in charge of it is Danny McBride, which is interesting. But they're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis again, and they're wiping out all the continuity after the first Halloween to do this new Halloween. So Halloween Two, which was a direct sequel gets wiped out as well as Halloween H2 when they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis before to tell her story of like, Oh, here's where she returns. It just, it seems really weird that we've had shifts in the continuity before and they just gonna keep doing it because Halloween apparently can only sell if Jamie Lee Curtis is a part of it. Yeah. And if we just tell the same story over and over again, I'm not super excited for it. Uh, although they seem very earnest in what they're trying to do, and Carpenter seems to be on board for it, which is important to yeah. me. But I, I just, I just don't know, man. Yeah, Nothing I've um, heard about it makes me feel like this is the one true Halloween. 
and, and again, I feel like you and Matt would be the ones that we would go to on this one because you know you guys do the podcast of terror. Oh well, um, then we'll just shit in our hands and throw it at the screen like monkeys. <laughs> Isn't that what Matt does at movies, anyways? That's what he does at at meals and uh, <laughs> religious ceremonies. <laughs> so moving on to November, um, November. This is again where we start to pick up, um, you know, X Men: Dark Phoenix, uh, Mulan from uh, the Dis- Disney live action remake of Mulan. Weirdly enough, because the last one is uh, it's it's iffy dr seuss is the grinch have you seen any of the the stuff for this no okay so i I have not it's a prequel to the grinch that that stole christmas it is a young grinch it's him kind of cute ish and innocent and it's animated it's not a live action thing they're not doing anything with with jim carrey and trying to bring him back and then de-aging him or, or putting him in a small body like baby man or whatever that it's it's a it looks like the Lorax that they did, yeah, the animated film of. So it's not going to be scary shit like Mike Myers is a cat in the hat. Um, it's more like Horton Hears a Who, but there it's a prequel story because you're right. We have seen the Grinch movie not too long ago in the live action, and so doing it again seems unnecessary. But they're releasing it in November, so I assume it has nothing to do with Christmas, but may get kids warmed up to watch the Grinch cartoon movie and then go and watch whatever Grinch version they want for Christmas as well. And I'm okay with getting them into the original cartoon. That's great. We'll see. Since it's a whole new story to tell, I have no expectation. But I also yeah. like don't know that it needs to happen because it's not really Dr. Seuss. It's just stealing a character from Dr. Seuss and doing this whole other thing with it. Yeah. So if yeah, it's not wanna... Seussian at all, what does that give me? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the good part that I will give it is it's it's done by Illumination Entertainment, the guys who do Despicable right. Me and and Sing, and they have Benedict Cumberbatch voicing the Grinch. So I'm like, all right, I can see this working. Um, the other one, and I because it could be a Christmas movie because the one that comes out the week before that I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, we should probably mention this too, is The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. That to me tells me that that's going to be a Christmas movie that they're just doing it here because. You look at December, and these movies are going to get trampled on in December. That, um, that's true, but they are yeah. they are doing Christmas stuff then in November, which is not far off. Yeah. And I mean, God knows we start decorating for Christmas uh, before Halloween even arrives. But it also could be because it's not the Nutcracker; it's the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. It could be taking the character of the Nutcracker and doing more with it that then leads into Christmas. That's how yeah. I would do it if if yeah. I was making these decisions. Yeah. Um, uh, is Holmes and Watson the third of the Robert Downey Jr.? No. Holmes okay. and Watson is the comedy. I was actually going to mention that next. It is directed by Ethan Cohen and it's written by Ethan Cohen. Stars Ray Fiennes as Moriarty, Kelly McDonald as Mrs. Hudson. Um, I'm blatantly going around who this. Uh, okay, I like this casting. Hugh Laurie as Mycroft, playing Holmes and Watson, Will Ferrell, and John C. Riley, respectively. Okay, so someone's putting my nuts in a shredder. Yeah, it is a a as it says on IMDb, a humorous take on Arthur Conan Doyle's classic mysteries featuring Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Tell me humorous is in quotes. Uh no, I'm not. <laughs> it's it is it is one of those things like I look at this, I'm like, uh, maybe. But then you have the following week you have Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Gr- of Grindelwald, and then the week after 
You have, or as Jezebel um, likes to call it, why the fuck are you putting Johnny Depp in another yeah. goddamn movie? <laughs> yeah. And then the week after, you have Ralph breaks the internet to wreck it. Ralph two. Nice. So in the month, I didn't even the know of, that was coming up. Yeah. In the in the month of November, you get two instances of John C. Riley. That's most that we've gotten all last year. <laughs> um, and and I'm teasing about the the Farrell Riley thing. When when they yeah. when they're together, they they are capable of making yeah. some really funny shit. Uh, and, and also and also Ethan Cohen does good stuff. Yeah, I mean, he does he does he does he does he stretches the gambit honestly. Um, and it would be nice to see them play characters that are actually maybe age appropriate for once. <laughs> yes. Then in December, this is again why I said there was all these. I'm I'm gonna go right down the list here. Starting with the on the 14th, you have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This is the Sony animated Spider-Man movie that is going um that is focusing on Miles Morales, Mortal Engines, I know nothing, Aquaman, the Aquaman from the DC movies, directed by Justin Wan. Bumblebee, this is a prequel from what I understand, focusing on a bum- Bumblebee from the Transformers with John Cena in it, apparently, for some weird reason. Then Tuesday, Christmas Day, Bohemian Rhapsody. Part of me wants to go see this just because, like, one, I think they did excellent casting with uh, R- Rami Malik. You, you know, as like with seeing that photo, I'm like, oh, hell yes, he looks like Freddie Mercury. But then also, like Beat pointed out earlier, to see the what is going to happen, if this is even going to happen because of everything that has happened in this recent history of it, things with, with the producer. I mean, we've got two major movies coming out where they've had the director get replaced in the midst of it. Between this and Solo are the ones that I can think of where, hey, we're doing this movie. Oh, nope, no, we're not. Uh, but someone else will step in and, and take it over and finish it off. And and I mean, this last year it was Justice League that that happened to, for different reasons. But yeah, yeah this is it's it's to be put into the December twenty fifth spot of that. They still feel like, at, at least right now, that it it's going to be good enough for that kind of attention. Uh, hopefully, and 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 maybe it absolutely will be. I. You know, I'm a I'm a big Queen fan, and the actor playing Freddie seems like he was a very good choice. Like you said, I, I'd like this to be good. I don't know what this movie is other than a biopic, and and if that's enough to to get me to go to a theater to see it, or if I wait to see it on TV and just blast the shit out of my speakers so I can enjoy all that music, we'll see. But hopefully, yeah, basically, from what it looks like here, the Christmas Day is biopic day because the other movie is Mary Poppins Returns. Um, which, okay, sorry, I, I'm a little bit off with that because you know it's not going to be a biopic, but it looks like they have some bits that might be a little bit. Um, but this is actually going to have, um, you know, it's, it, gosh, it has Dick Van Dyke, Emily Blunt, Meryl Streep, Colin Firth, Angela Lansbury, who I did not know was still alive. Yeah. Um, I had well, I hadn't seen her in anything recently, and I'm like, either she's just enjoying retirement or she's not here. Uh, Julie Walters, um, Lin the Manuel guy from Miranda. Hamilton, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's Manuel, Manuel Miranda. He's apparently um, playing Dick Van Dyke's original character, yeah, with Emily Blunt stepping in to play Julie Andrews' original character of Mary Poppins. Yeah, honestly, this looks really cool. 
like to see this. Like I, I like. It, it the, seems like the right movie to put out for Christmas Day because yeah. it, it. I assume it's going to be made for a level of the age group that watched Mary Poppins, which would be kids, but it would have the family nostalgia for the adults who grew up watching the original Mary Poppins. And if I, I can't imagine Disney can't making this work it, as much as again, like Mary Poppins has been one person to me for for my entire childhood on up to mm-hmm. see someone else step into that role is weird and, and feels a little wrong. But Emily Blunt is an excellent actress who could do fantastic job with it. If, if you're going to pick anybody, she was probably the right one to pick. So I I have to imagine that it's going to be a huge film. Yeah, I, I just I it would take some real doing to screw this up. True. And this is where I like, I, like honestly, there's a bunch of movies in there that, that we didn't even t- hit on. So, you know, the article comes to us from I believe it's from Collider, uh, but we'll, and we'll have it in our description. So you can see I mean, you could see all these. Um, and actually, Growly, I disagree with you on the whole I'd vote Anna Kendrick instead of Emily Blunt. Anna Kendrick seems like the obvious choice because of the fact that she's done the Pitch Perfect series. But Emily Blunt has, well, one, she's British. Two, she can sing and all that. And I, I see her more of, as a Mary Poppins than Anna Kendrick. Um, Although Anna, Anna, Anna Kendrick can do anything because she's Anna yeah. Kendrick. Yeah, and Anna uh, Kendrick to me seems a little, bit, a little too young. What what I I think what we're saying, Growly, is is you're not wrong, but we have to share the wealth. Uh, we can't let Anna Kendrick do everything because she, when she could, she absolutely could, <laughs> but we shouldn't do that because it's not fair to everybody else. Like in 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 the everybody gets a trophy world. Uh, you got to You got to give other people a chance. You got to yeah, give yeah, other people. You know, a chance. you know, Mrs. John Krasinski needs a chance here. It's like I would have seen Death Wish with Anna Kendrick. I I would see the solo movie with Anna Kendrick. Uh, I I would I would see the the um what is the Pixar one that's coming out the Wreck It Ralph Incredibles with with Anna Kendrick. I would watch the Incredibles if they just superimposed Anna Kendrick in every frame, uh, hanging out with with Pixar creatures. I would, <laughs> I would absolutely yes. You're you are 100 percent correct. Yeah, she she could and should do it and and all else. There's that uh, Comcast oh, okay, commercial okay. I think where they have like no or maybe it's Hulu. Hulu. It's Hulu. Where there's there's like four Anna Kendricks and I'm like that's just a drop in the Kendrick bucket. Uh, we need we need a, a no, thousand. See, here's, more of here's those. the thing. No, here's what's going to happen. That movie's going to come out. And then Anna Kendrick's going to get on Twitter saying, I would have done a much better job than Emily Blunt. I love her, but I would have done so much better. No, no, she would never say that. She would absolutely never say that because she's perfect. Uh, No, what will happen is the the internet will will create a... Doesn't matter. The internet (laughs) will create a demand and we will start a petition for the the Zack Snyder Anna Kendrick cut of Mary Poppins (laughs) that has to exist uh, because we've conceived it in our brains. Uh, and, 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 well, and well, I'm saying it now. I want the Zack Snyder Han Solo film cut of the film. Of course you do. <laughs> who, couldn't, who couldn't want that? All right. Nobody's asking for the Lord Miller cut, <laughs> which is just perfect. Oh gosh! And on that disappointment, we are going to end 
the show um, because I think we've been going on quite long enough and I got to go to bed. Uh, but yeah, so like I said in the before, basically, if, if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us by via a couple ways. You can leave us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or you can email us mail at elsnerds.com. I read all of that, all that email. It's mainly Twitter, no, Twitter stuff like, oh, hey, this person's on Facebook. Follow them, follow them and all that. But anyways, break up that monotony by sending us an email. Um, all of our subscription options and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. It's also, you know, you go on all of our social network stuff, you will see us at Galactic Netcast for the whole the whole uh, studio production company that we are. Um, and then the Else Nerds on Twitter, Beatmasters at Beatmaster80, Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm at that Gregor. And then Sean Burns is at S. Burns PA. Uh, maybe we'll get him in the spring or something, you know, a little springtime show and show in action. Um, Corey, where can people find you? Uh, don't look for me on Twitter because I'm, I'm, I'm not really happy with Twitter. Yeah, don't don't ever put an at with with me because I don't I don't tweet, first of all. And, and you know, Twitter is just a cesspool. If you want to go to a place that's 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 probably still a cesspool, but in, in new and interesting ways, uh, you can check out the comics <laughs> that I help publish. For Levi Krauss and friends, uh, don'taskcomics.com. Uh, check out Balyar, which I did help write, uh, or Levi's World, the classic uh, independent comic from the 90s. Spells, a bunch of little weird witches. Uh, Shock, which I I can't explain Shock to you, man. You, you got to see it for yourself. It, it's 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 just, no. You, why, no. Why have we gotten done this yet? Just go see it. Just go read it. Just, just go look, man. They're, they're all there. They're there. There's plenty, and and you can click through all that goodness, and uh, and and we'd appreciate it. That's it. Yeah. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week, or Anna Kendrick.
For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.